All right, hello everybody. Uh, yeah, my name's Hannah, and this is John, and we have a little one, Micah. He's two and a half years old, and he's having fun in the children's wing right now. Um, yeah, we're missionaries with pioneers. This is real life, a picture of us on a normal day. Uh, I feel like one of us is usually having some type of breakdown. One of us is being dragged that direction, and one of us is like, isn't life awesome? Um, so you can see who's who in this picture. And then, um, yeah, we, I guess felt obligated to show that our son can be a doll, so that's him being a doll. Um, or Missionaries with Pioneers, uh, the sending base for pioneers here in the U.S. is out of Orlando, Florida, where we spent a number of years. Um, but now we're actually living in New York City in a place called Astoria, which is in Queens. So you can see here, it's just over the East River um, from the ritzy place, you know, the Upper West Side and the park there. So it's nice to be in such close proximity to fun things. Um, and we do take advantage of that quite often. Um, but Div- um, Queens is a very diverse place. So it says that Queens, every other person is foreign born. So um, you can imagine the diversity of that. Whenever we walk down the street, really it's rare to hear English. Um, you hear all sorts of languages as you go. And um, our neighborhood in particular in Astoria, historically, um, is Greek and Italian, still mostly predominantly Greek, uh, but there's a growing North African population. Uh, so a lot of people that we meet are from Egypt or Algeria or Morocco, um, and they've immigrated there and are kind of getting their start. Um, and, you know, and some of the pictures that are coming up will show a little bit about what our neighborhood looks like. Um, so the train is there on above ground. So you walk down into the neighborhood, which is fun. You get a great view of Manhattan as you're coming into Queens. And um, a lot of the street is just little shops and outdoor cafes and brownstones. Uh, it's very quaint. We lived in 500 square feet, a two-bedroom apartment. So itty-bitty living space that we've been, you know... Especially with the toddler. Especially with the toddler. So it was a minefield of uh, Legos and all that. But um, yeah, on Steinway Street, the next image is um, what they call Little Egypt. So a lot of the Arabs are all kind of concentrated on this street. Um, So you can see there it's Little Morocco. There's Egyptian places. There's a ton of hookah places with guys just smoking all day and talking to each other and working and or not working. It's kind of hanging out, spending time together, and um, it's a lot of fun to spend time there. So that's what our neighborhood is like. And we spent the last year in New York City um, working with an organization that's called Equip. It's a one-year training program. And in that year, we learned um, a lot about how to... um, evangelize, how to share our faith and how that can become a reflex um, so that in everyday life you're sharing the gospel with people and also how to initiate movements. So not just sharing the gospel, but seeing people come to faith and multiply themselves. Uh, So we learned lots of strategies over the last year and um, we're actually planning to head to France and then Morocco long term until about a month before we left, God said, hey, I want you to stay in New York City, which threw us for a major loop. Um, But if that's what he wants, that's what we're going to do. So we're going back to New York City as soon as we can. Uh, We're hoping for by the end of the year, November, December. And um, we're heading back to be what we call gospel movement catalysts. And that's what it sounds like. We want to catalyze movements of the gospel. Um, And we see that in scripture. You know, if you look at Mark 4, the parable of the sower, 
um, talks about how the, the sower sows seed, and there are four different types of soil that it can fall on, right? So the first one is the path, the seeds go out, and they're immediately snatched up. They never take any root. Uh, the second is the rocky soil. You know, it gets there, but the, the roots never grow any de- depth, and the sun comes out, it just gets scorched and blows away. Um, the third is um, people who hear the gospel, the roots go down and they start to sprout, but the weeds come up, right? The cares of this world entangle and they fall away. Um, and so we see that a lot in New York City. There's so many things that can entangle the American dream, money, wealth, um, all sorts of darkness that we encounter on the street that's uh, working to entangle souls. Um, but we're looking for the fourth soil, right? It's that fertile soil that the seeds fall down, they take root, they go deep, the plant blossoms. And in the parable, it says that that seed goes on to reproduce 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. And that's where we see movements happen. As we share the gospel and find those fourth soil people, they're going to be reproducing themselves, and it's going to impact and start a movement in New York City that will eventually, we pray, move across um, the ocean back to these Muslim countries where we can see people start to be reached in their own countries as well. So um, that's what we're up to. And we just want to say thank you for supporting us for so many years. Um, we can't do it without you. And we love that we have many churches on our team who are praying and encouraging us. And today we just want to share some lessons about what we've been learning, uh, what God's been teaching, and we hope that it will be edifying for you. Um, so, so we're going to volley back and forth, like Hannah said, sharing lessons and stories from our time in New York. Uh, and we got it nice and neatly packaged into a nice three-point sermon. Uh, so you do have outlines with blanks, but you may notice the blanks don't have the first letter like they normally do. So there's no guessing games. You're just going to have to wait with anticipation hang on every word we say. Um, so I, I love the timing of how this, like, you know, there's no accidents, right? So uh, the timing of us coming to share is really great because you guys are in the middle of this one another series learning learning how to be the church, to be the body of Christ, the hands and feet, the eyes, the mouth of Jesus, and what that looks like through the one another's. And that's a huge thing that we learned in New York uh, throughout this last year. So the setup in New York, uh, living in a story, we had a, we had a team around us, uh, a team of eight. And that team of eight was not just our ministry team that we went out on the streets to connect with Muslims and make disciples with, but that team also doubled as our church. And so we would all gather together on Sundays in our little 500-square-foot apartment, share a meal, um, you know, have a discussion, read the word, pray. And throughout the week, we would minister uh, on the streets. We would have other prayer meetings and that sort of thing. And what we learned about the one another's, uh, which was a huge part of the year, was doing the one another's well inside the body, like inside our little room or for you guys inside this room, uh, and in your small groups, like it directly correlates with how, how you function and your, what your effectiveness will be in the world, ministering, being the hands, the feet, the mouth, the eyes of Jesus. Uh, and so uh, I just want to go ahead and read a verse you're very familiar with uh, because it's been peppered throughout the whole series from John 17, uh, where Jesus is praying in the garden for us. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe for those who believe in me through their message. Speaking of the disciples, may they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me. Isn't that crazy? 
We have like the, we have the same glory that God gave Jesus. It's nuts. Uh, may, may they be one as we are one. I am in them. You are in me. May they be made completely one. So the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. And so our, our, our unity that, we, that, we're, that we're pursuing, that we strive for to li- in living out these one another is, it's for us, right? I mean, the, the Trinity displayed in here uh, has a really special unity. They're like within each other and it's really, it, 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 it's intimate, it's, uh, it's deep, deep love, deep, deep commitment to one another. Um, and so it's for us, but it's not just for us. It's for the world outside of us. And so that's the aspect of one anothering that we want to focus on today. Um, and the reason why this is so important is because people in the world, outside of us, outside of the body of Christ, uh, they're far from God. Uh, you can go to the next slide. Um, and this has been the, you can go to the next slide even. All right. So um, th- this has been the case since Genesis chapter 3. It didn't take long. Uh, so God created us in chapter 1 of the Bible in his image, right? Uh, which that's just, that's crazy, right? But three chapters later, through our sin and disobedience, that the image of God and therefore ourselves got distorted. Uh, and ever since Genesis chapter 3, God has been fighting and striving to uh, refocus his image and therefore our image. Uh, and so uh, the, way, the way this played out early on in the Old Testament um, was through a, 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 priest, a priesthood, uh, a priestly system that was established. So God resided in the Holy of Holies in the temple, and there was a priest system where the high priest could enter into that Holy of Holies. Uh, the priest would make sacrifices to atone for the sins of the people. So through the priest, this gap got a little bit closer, connecting mankind to God. Um, but it was, it, wasn't, it was temporary. This is a temporary system. We know this because... We live in the New Testament where Jesus came as our high priest to close the gap finally, to be the final sacrifice. There's no need for sacrifices anymore. When he died, the veil was torn in the temple. There's no holy of holies anymore because his presence resides in our bodies. And so, next slide. Uh, We are now the the priestly system. Uh, We are now the temple with God's presence residing in us. Um, connecting the world to God. Because Jesus came for three years, then he left. But he didn't leave fully, right? He sent his spirit down to dwell within us. And so this is what we're talking about today. Like, we are all priests. Isn't that crazy? How many of you have thought of yourselves as priests before? Not, not, yeah, I didn't either. I kind of thought it was weird language. I'd read those verses like, you know, you are a chosen generation, a, a royal priesthood. You know, I, I like all the... The things, the things that make sense about who we are, like we're the body of Christ, we're brothers, we're sisters, we're children of God, all that makes sense. But a priest and a priesthood collectively, what does that even mean? Uh, now that I know what it means, I love it. I think it's amazing. We're going to look at uh, what it means to be a priest and what that means for the world by looking at three realities of being a priest. Uh, and those three realities are, get your blanks, uh, I'm, jumping, I'm jumping ahead for you. Uh, we're going to look at how since we are priests of God, we have a priestly purpose, we have a priestly mission, and we have a priestly sacrifice. And don't worry, it'll come up later if you don't get it right now. Uh, So let's go ahead and dive into that first one. Uh, We have a priestly purpose. Um, So 
So our priestly purpose is, is the same, same one as Jesus, right? In that previous image, you, there was that gap. Jesus stood in the gap. Now we stand in the gap. So that's our purpose. Uh, and so since our purposes align with Jesus, a lot of the language that Jesus used to describe our purpose was the same way he described his own purpose. So we're going to look at a few different passages in the Bible to better understand our purpose as priests and as a priesthood. I'm going to stand up because I'm going to read off these slides. Uh, so let's look at these first two. Uh, John 8, 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And you go to the next one. Uh, you are the light of the world. Do you get that? He's, the first verse, he said, I am the light of the world. This verse, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. I just think that's so cool. Um, and it doesn't mean that Jesus, like, is contradicting himself. Um, when he says, I am light and you are light, um, he is showing the significance of our partnership with him, that his light is in us, and then we are reaching the world through our light. Um, and one of, the, one of the cool things we learned about New York City is we kind of learn what it means to be light. Uh, I think I used to, without these words, I used to think of light as like a laser, like kind of picking people off. Not, not literally with a laser, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hone in on this friend of mine or this person of mine. But when we actually, one of the things we, we learned how to do and were trained how to do in New York was to learn how to be light. And so there weren't lasers back, back when Jesus was saying these things, right? That didn't exist. But, so light was like a lantern probably, which, you know, just like these lights, they're not pinpointing anything. They're just illuminating the space around them. And so that's one of the things we learned was like our light, like we may have strategy, and strategic purpose, but when we're living as light, uh, as, as Jesus did, and as he intends for us to do, uh, it just kind of goes everywhere. Uh, and so, in doing that, we had some, like, unexpected moments where we thought we were doing one thing, and God was doing something different. Hannah's going to share a story. Um, so, one of the really neat opportunities we had this year was we got connected to a woman named Farida. She's an um, Indian woman, uh, Muslim background. And she teaches at an all-girl Muslim school that she started. And she is a firecracker. I love her. Um, she just has a passion for young ladies and seeing them succeed and having um, every opportunity in the world to have the same opportunity, you know, same, same things that a boy can do. You know, he wanted, she wanted to give Muslim girls that opportunity. And um, we got to go, actually, we were invited to our whole church, our whole team was invited to go to her school and we have a picture of that. Um, this is her on the left. And um, you can see all the girls there in their hijab. And they said, I want you to come and share what you believe. And we're like, you want us to come to your all-Muslim girls school and share what we believe? And she said, yes, I want all the girls to know what Christians believe from the mouths of Christians. I don't want them to hear from anyone else. I want them to hear from you. And we said, all right, if you, ins you, know, if you insist, we will come and share. So our whole team went. We brought Micah. And um, we shared creation to Christ, the entire gospel. We shared what it looks like to be a church and do life together. We talked about our individual walks with the Lord. We talked about fasting. We talked about giving, communion, all these aspects of what it means to be a believer. And when it finally, an hour or so in, got down to questions, 
The first question that the girls asked was this. They said, as you all have been talking, we've been watching you and your husband and your son interact. And I don't know if we've ever seen anything like this in a family. And how do you get that? <laughs> was their question. So imagine us, because a lot of the lesson that we learned this year was, you know, doing ministry together, doing life all the time together as a family is a challenge. Um, it was a definite challenge, and it felt like a lot of times it was holding us back. You know, you have like a two-year-old, he's kind of a mess sometimes. Um, how do you accomplish anything when you're always together? Um, but time and time again, God was showing us, your family is a light. It is not a burden. It is a light to the world. And this was such a clear picture of that because we thought that we were going to laser beam them with the gospel, creation to Christ, and our sharing. And all they noticed, I mean, all they noticed was how our family interacted and that there was something really different about that. And I think, I'm not trying to discount the laser beam because I think that's part of the power. You put the gospel with the family and suddenly they connect the dots of, like, the gospel is what makes this family different. Um, but it was just unbelievable, the questions they had. They were, like, fighting over pictures that Micah drew while we had talked, you know, once we had left. We want to take Micah's picture. No, we want to take Micah's picture. So... Um, Cool to see how the Lord uses just your family and the Holy Spirit in you to be a light to the world. So.
Well, we're all friends with her, as you can see. Uh, so this is my friend, Her, and she's from China. Um, one of the things we got to do this year was we, uh, I did an English conversation group at NYU, uh, and I had four Chinese girls and one Japanese girl. And when I started the group, Her was the most problematic. Uh, she would not stop talking. She would constantly take us off topic, and she was very argumentative. And I remember coming home and saying, she is soil one. Like, not only is this the seed never going to go anywhere, but she's picking off seeds of the other girls. Like, I've, I've had it with her, you know? I'm like, I don't know how to continue in this thing. Um, because our, our English group morphed into a Bible study, and we, we did Creation to Christ together, all of us girls. And um, it was amazing to see that as I stood in the gap, and every day, you know, every week we sat down together, we opened up the Word, we read a story, we talked about who God and Jesus is, who, what his character is, what his plan is. They would ask you know, questions about Christian culture, and maybe I'd chime into that if they asked a question about theology or other things like that. We'd go back to scripture and look at that. Um, started probably in October. By March, she had come to faith, <laughs> which was crazy. I watched her start the whole year as um, hard, overbearing her, and by the end, she was soft, she was gentle, she was patient, she was teaching. Um, the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, had completely transformed this woman. Um, it was no, obviously, like, no. I know. It was amazing. And it's one of those things, like, it wasn't me. There's no way I could just straight up change someone's personality. But she did. Like, God changed her. Um, and... It was just really neat to see. Now she's teaching others and sharing her faith with others. She just went back to China, and she's sharing with her family and friends. Uh, last Sunday, actually, I was so excited. She actually got baptized, which is the next picture we have. Um, she was really scared to make that leap, but she's like, I'm so glad I did it. Like, now I have the love and light of Jesus, and I just want to share that with others. And um, So it's just amazing what God does whenever you put yourself in the gap and you allow him to use you as a priest and that's just a story to encourage you. You know, maybe you know someone that you could just invite. You want to sit down and read the Bible and just watch the Holy Spirit transform them as you fill that place in that role. So, yeah.
Yeah, and this is on the back of your outline if you want to read, read along. along. Read on yeah. And this is her watercolor that she did of the buttercups. Um, she says, look at this buttercup as it begins to learn its new lesson. The little hands of the calyx clasp tightly to the bud, round the beautiful petals, and the young flower their grasp grows more elastic, loosening somewhat in the daytime but keeping the power of contracting, able to close in again during a rainstorm or when night comes on. But see the central flower, which has reached its maturity. The calyx hands have unclasped utterly now. They have folded themselves back, past all power of closing again upon the petals, leaving the golden crown free to float away when God's time comes. Have we learned the buttercup's lesson yet? Are our hands off the very blossom of our life? Are all things, even the treasure that he has sanctified, held loosely, ready to be parted with, without a struggle, when he asks for them? It is not in the partial relaxing of grasp with power to take back again that this fresh victory of death is won. It is won when that very power of taking back is yielded, when our hands, like the little calyx hands of God's buttercups, are not only taken off but folded behind our back in utter abandonment. Death means a loosened grasp, loosened beyond all power of grasping again. Have faith like the flowers to let the old things go. You have told him that you want him only, are you ready to ratify the words when his emptying begins to come? So yeah, Lilius Trotter. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, we, we love that, and I think that really encapsulates um, the starting point of what this journey of learning to be a priest is, and that first step is learning to die. Um, yeah, there's not much else that needs to be said. So um, I'm thinking we're going to close on that note. Uh, I'm going to just give a moment of silence before we pray to close out to just think about um, what in your life you think God may be calling you to die to um, so that you can really live as a priest standing in the gap. So, Yeah, Lord, we, um, we thank you so much for the way that you want to use us, that um, though we are so, so, so flawed as human beings um, that you still see us as your plan A and that um, you have uh, called us to be a priesthood that as we love one another that, that that love shines out and we are a light to the world standing in the gap bringing the lost into the kingdom of God and um, Lord I pray that you would show us more and more what our purpose is and how we want to live that out day to day um, just be the one who guides us and shows us step by step what that looks like. Um, I pray that you would help us to better understand our mission and to kind of have a mission mindset where um, we can see people and act, that we can really take time to slow down and see people in pain and see people who need the gospel. Um, and Lord, lastly, we just pray that you would help us to die, that whenever we want to start crawling off the cross, that you would just gently remind us of um, the new life that comes with the death each time, that you're making us more and more like yourself, more like your son, and that as we become more and more in his image, that that light's going to shine even brighter and people will, will know your face because um, of our light in the world. Um, Lord, I thank you for this church, and um, I thank you for the things that you're doing here and each and every individual sitting in every seat that um, you want to use them mightily, not only um, as individuals here in this church, but out in this community. And I just pray that that would be so. Amen.